Amen. We are continuing in our series called Different. Somebody say different. 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 Awesome. And now, today we're talking about, as promised, a different marriage. A different marriage. Just by way of review, uh, Peter has been walking us skillfully uh, through what it means to live lives as elect exiles, or we could say it this way, Christian refugees. He's been telling us things like, we have this living hope that's found in Jesus. We have this imperishable inheritance that he's given us, Jesus. We have been redeemed by his blood. We are called to live holy lives as obedient children. We are being built up on Christ as our cornerstone, as the one in which we build our lives on. We're also called to submit to authorities and to honor people. In other words, and this is a text taken right out of um, uh, Peter chapter 2, he says this, keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable so when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What Peter has been teaching us I'm sending you out into a world of people that may not believe like you believe. I'm sending you out into a workforce where people may not embrace Christianity. I'm sending you out on people that may even uh, treat you wrongly because of your faith. So here's what Peter says, in short, your witness matters. How you act matters. Your speech matters. Amen? And Elder Mark last week continued in this conversation as he talked about submission to government and submission to employers. And this week we talk about submission in marriage. Um, I drive a Honda Accord. Drive a Honda Accord 2014, and my brother had came to visit me, and we're chilling at the house, and he drives a Honda Pilot. His Pilot was getting some work done on it, um, so he had a rental from Honda. They gave him the 2020 Honda Accord. I drive a 2014 Honda Accord, so while we're waiting, right, give me the keys, I'm going to go drive the Honda Accord around the block, and I'm, I'm looking at him, I was like, oh, not crazy about the outside, but when I get inside and I get into the bucket seats and I start the car up and I hit the gas, the acceleration on a four-cylinder is incredible. I'm zoom, 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 and all around my neighborhood, hope kids were outside, all around my neighborhood, just, just zooming, like it, the speed is incredible, and then the sound system is different, and they added some new features, just, just, just in that quick of a moment, I start thinking stuff like, you know, the Honda dealership is only a few miles from my home. In like fashion, my daughter uh, has a good friend, and her friend, her family recently purchased uh, the iPhone 11. I don't know if it's the XR or whatever. I'm not, I'm not versed on that. But, but Jordan, who is a 12-year-old um, 
girl comes up to me and says, Daddy, I want the iPhone 11. I said, sweetheart, I have the iPhone 8. Do you understand how the process works? There's a hierarchy here, okay? If someone gets the 11, it won't be you. It will be me. And then you will embrace the 8 for all of its splendor and glory. That's how this works. You see, it is, it is very tempting for you and I to see the newest, to see what's next, to see what we don't have and long for that. In a similar way, whatever your marital status is here this morning, it is tempting for us to peer out of the window of our reality and long for another's. So whether you are single or divorced or married, it is good that you are here this morning. Maybe you're single and you're here and you're like, you know, Rodney, my desire is that I want to be married. Here's my response. Praise God for that desire. That desire is a good gift given by a good God for a good gift. So praise God if that is your desire. Maybe you're here and you, 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 you have, you're, you're comfortable in your singleness and where God has you. Praise God for that desire that is a good gift from a good father who loves you. Here's what I'm saying this morning. Whatever the desire is, whether for singleness or for marriage, those are good gifts. So we don't need to push each other to be in something else if someone is comfortable with the gift that they have or the desire that they have. But if that is the desire, I also warn against making whatever the opposite is an idol. I'm not saying that it is an idol. I'm saying I want to warn against the temptation for it to become an idol. There are single people here that have raised marriage to the point of idolatry. And if that is the case, it is incredibly dangerous. There are married people here this morning who have raised singleness to a point of an idol. Well, I know what I'm talking about. I I ain't studying y'all. I know what I'm saying. And, And if that's the case, that's a point of great danger. So Peter is going to help us walk through how to have this kind of marriage that is altogether different. In other words, could it be that one of the things that helps me keep my desire in place is my submission and my understanding? Somebody say those two words, submission and understanding. Amen, amen, amen. So Peter, like a skilled boxer, like, Mayfield or something. He's just gonna, he's just gonna, he's just gonna light us up. He's not gonna pull any punches, and he's not doing this to hurt us or to enslave us. He's doing this to help us. Peter understands we have a broken humanity, and he's gonna pull behind the curtain and help us grow up into what God is calling us to grow up into. Many have heard it said. That marriage is not here to make you happy, it's here to make you holy. And if you need a proof text for that, let's look at 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 7. Some of y'all read that this week in your CBR reading, so let's 
Let's look at it one more time. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 7 says this. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothings you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. And you are her children. If you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening, likewise wives or, or likewise husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. We'll unpack that. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, we'll unpack that, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. I want to talk to you about three things this morning. Number one, I want to just use the word likewise, and I'll, you'll understand it as we go on. Number two, redirecting beauty. And number three, understanding husbands. Let's pray. Father, in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we declare our dependency as it relates to marriage and singleness and being divorced. Lord, we just ask now for your help. Help us as we preach. I pray uh, that, the, that this, this passage carry its own weight. I pray that you would not allow me to add any unnecessary weight that the passage has not already delivered to us, but give us hearts and ears to hear what you're saying to us. I pray for the transforming power of the Holy Ghost to be present in us and among us and through us so that you would be glorified, that marriages would be changed, and that people would meet Jesus. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Likewise, this one word that starts our passage is critically important. And if you miss this one word, you miss a whole lot. Peter is not writing uh, this, this, this epistle saying, chapter 1, how do I want to begin chapter 1? Chapter 2, no, this is one letter that he wrote to the churches. This is just one letter. So that later on is when we had chapter divisions added to this text to help us understand placements and references. But this is one letter. So what this means is when he says likewise, don't think of this new chapter. Think of a continuation of a thought he's been writing all throughout chapter 2. And here's what he's been helping us understand. I'm, I'm going to tell you something hard, but before I tell you something hard, I'm going to give you the fuel to do it. And this is the beauty of expositional preaching. Wherever you are, wherever you go. Go to a church where they break open the Bible. Go to a church where they preach through books of the Bible because it helps you understand a complete thought. 
Amen? And it avoids preachers from running away from uncomfortable texts. This church has been running for six years. To my knowledge, this is the first time I've preached 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. Now, you'll see it similar in Ephesians 5, uh, verses 21 through on down, and we've preached through that, but I haven't preached through uh, 1 Peter 3, verse 1 through 7. I know 1 Peter 3, verse 1 through 7 is in the Bible, but, but if I have a, a, you know, a little choice, you know, I'm going to go with that, that, you know, that other text and say, oh, I'll, I'll get to 1 Peter 3, verse 1 through 7. But expositional preaching helps us deal with the text. Now, some of us are going to have some challenges this morning, and here's why. Uh, many of us, if we're honest, we don't like nobody telling us what to do. And First Peter's going to get right in your grill and tell you just what to do. So some may look at this and say, Rodney, you know, First Peter, it's an old book. Like, when was this written? You know, 65 A.D., that's a long time. Is this even relevant? Like, like who wrote the Bible? See, when, when, when somebody tries to tell you what to do about the Bible, some of us want to start questioning the Bible. Or we go to look at commentary and try to find someone that wrote about that verse the way we like. And then we take that position. But I love about this passage is that Peter is as straight up as they come and he's going to tell us something that is helpful. So please don't hear this as some old book or some antiquated way or this does not apply to us anymore. He's going to tell us, he's going to talk to us about submission and understanding. And even if you would say this morning, Rodney, um, I've already made up my mind on this. I'm not submitting. If you're a husband in here, you're saying, I'm not going to live with her in an understanding way because, Rodney, you don't understand her. If you understand her, you would not ask me to live in an understanding way. Here's my question. How's that going? Husband, your lack of serving your wife, are you flourishing? Wife, your position, I ain't going to submit. How's that working? Oh, it works great for me. I get what I want. When your kids see that, how is that working for them? How is, is he flourishing with your lack of submission? Yeah, all right. we just doing all right now? Ooh. Yes, Lord. Thank you for your spirit that strengthens your servant. Okay, it's going to be hard. Pray with me, sweetie. Pray with me. Pray with me. Beloved, here's all I'm saying. First and foremost, when we see something in the text, here, here's what our response should be. Jesus is king. He's writing this by the power of the Holy Spirit. And because, he's his, because he is king, we listen and obey. Secondly, we need help with this. Here's why we need help. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, we look at, at the fall of man uh, in, in the fall of humanity, uh, humanity, and one of the things we see in Genesis 3 is that, that, that there's, there's this punishment given because of sin. And one, is, one of the punishments are is that husband and wives, there's going to be tension. There's going to be tension. Because of sin, there's going to be tension in your relationship. So you're going to need fuel to deal with this. 
I mean, I don't care how great the wedding was. Praise God for that. You're still going to need fuel because there will be tension. I'm not talking to married folks who are not in tension because if you say you're not in tension at any point, that's a lie or that's temporal. You're having a great week. I mean, this, this, this is my testimony recently. I'm like, me and my wife, man, we having consecutive weeks. We're like, no beef, no beef, no beef. Hey, we, you know, we doing good. As soon as I started telling people that, she was like, <laughs> the devil was like, boom. <laughs> I, I, I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you pray. You're going to have tension. I don't care how dope your Instagram pictures are. You're going to have tension. So you're going to need fuel. Let's get fuel for this morning. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21 through 24. This is why he says likewise, because he's pointing us to something. Look what he says in 21 through 24. For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow in his steps. And, uh, do you hear what Peter just said to you? Peter said Christ suffered, and his suffering was an example that you may follow in his steps. Did you hear that? In other words, the Christian should not experience suffering and say, what is this? I've never seen this before. No, the, the, you, you, you should see suffering happen, and, and, and it should shoot an a image or a picture or a story of your, in your mind of how Christ also suffered. So don't get the misconception that Christianity is peaches and cream. No. It's filled with suffering. Now, that doesn't sell well, does it? But it's nonetheless true. Now, watch how he suffered. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judged justly, he himself bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So when there are challenges and trouble and situations in your marriage, don't think it's strange. That's good news for somebody this morning. Because somebody, when they experience suffering and they're looking at everything else and they're looking at images and they're looking at social media and they're, they're saying, there has to be something wrong with my marriage because look how nice everything else looks. No, here Peter. When, not if, you experience suffering, understood if Jesus had to suffer, so will I. The question is, how do you suffer? Well, here's how you remember the gospel. You remember that there's good news. You remember that, that God created us in his image and his likeness perfectly, but because of sin, we live in a broken world. And if you're married here this morning, you have a broken marriage. And what you're doing by God's grace is using the, the, the redemption that Jesus has brought to us to make our marriage the best that we can make it. But understand, the best of marriages are fallible. Remember the gospel. 
remember that how Christ came to us when we didn't deserve it and showed us kindness and tenderness and mercy and, and spilled out his love on us when we did not deserve his love, but he gives us his love. Remember that in marriage? Because Lord knows there'll be times she don't deserve it. Sisters, there'll be times where you can't even fix your mouth to say what you need to say according to the gospel to that brother. But in those moments, you remember. You remember how good he was to you, how faithful he is, how he sticks with you for the long haul how he don't give up on you and throw in the towel on you like you're threatening to throw in the towel on them. In other words, when Jesus commits to Rodney, he doesn't say, I'm committing to you up until that point. But you keep pushing me, Rodney. Keep, keep on. I'm warning you. I'm almost there. I'm wait. Let me talk to Pastor Ross while I pull this trigger. I've already thought about pulling it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to pull it. Let me run it past. All right, run it past. Oh, oh, that's it. You pushed me over the line. You did it. No, when Jesus commits to me, he says, come to me. And I'm committed to you forever. Oh, that's good news. He commits to me for my life. This is why marriage is hard and marriage is a mystery. Here's why. He's trying to get us to understand his, his love for us. He says, how can I frame my love for them in a way that they can understand? How, how can I show them how, how, how committed I... Marriage. One man, one woman, for life. He's given us gospel fuel through the gospel to get the power we need in the moment we need it. So likewise, wives submit to your own husband. Let me, let, let me before I get into that, understand, I understand there are women under the sound of my voice who have had challenging situations with men. I understand there are women who uh, have daddy issues, and because of daddy issues, you come into your marriage, and there, there, there are challenges that come up as a result of what you've seen or did not see your father do. I understand there are women under the sound of my voice that have been mistreated by men, abused by men, molested by men. And now you come into this church and you hear these words, submit to your husband. Let me help you understand on the jump what Peter is not saying before I continue in what he is saying. Number one, he is not saying be a doormat for an abusive relationship. Sometimes it... It bothers me when people reduce what the scripture says to just stuff they heard. It's an interesting conversation with someone this week and just felt like they reduce all of what the scripture says into a few measly words dismissing it from reality. Peter's not saying that. He's also not saying that um, 
it's, it's okay for a man to mistreat you or push you or force you to do something. A man should never lay his hands on you. He's also not saying to just shut up and take it. Look, it's in the text. It's saying be silent or, or, or without a word and I can't say nothing. I just got to take it. He's not saying that. And I'm going to show you through the text that he's not saying that. And unfortunately, there are generations and scores of women that have put themselves in position, uh, whether knowing or unknowing, that they feel like it is their lot in life to be mistreated by a man. The gospel is freeing you from that this morning. The gospel is pointing you to another man first before it's ever pointing you to that brother. So I want to be clear about what it's not saying. He's not saying men get to be chauvinistic pigs in Christianity. He's not saying a man is better than a woman. He's not even saying you need to submit to all men. Uh, we read in the text, wives submit to your husbands. I mean, it's, it shouldn't be a brother up on your job and he a Christian, you a Christian, and y'all get an argument. He said, well, you need to submit to me. Bro, you, you ain't my husband. So this is not saying that women cannot be leaders in the workplace, in different sectors of community and society. Are y'all tracking with me? This verse is not made to enslave women. This verse is given to us as a good gift to empower and free women. So Rodney, what is Peter saying? He's saying he is calling for clarifying roles in marriage. In a similar way, he's called for clarifying roles in government and clarifying roles with employers. Let's be clear, and this is on our theological distinctions. It says this, men and women are absolutely equal in essence. They are equal in dignity. They are not less than. They are equal in value, but they are distinct by divine design. As a part of God's good created order, men and women are to have different yet complementarian roles and responsibilities in the home. So what does that mean? God has called men to be leaders in the home. And he's called wives to submit. Now let me just sanitize the word submission for you. Look at how Jesus submitted. Philippians 2, verse 6 through 7 says this, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. Did you get that? Jesus is equal with God. Holy Spirit is equal with Jesus. The Trinity are co-equal in essence. Yet Jesus submits to the Father. And the Holy Spirit submits to Jesus. Look at verse 7. So, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself, being obedient even to the point of death, even the death on the cross. What am I saying? We can't say submission is, is inherently evil and bad and oppressive and, 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 and enslaving if Jesus did it. 
So submission can't be beneath us if it's not beneath Jesus. Authority and submission are good because they reflect God's character. Rebellion against authority is evil because it reflects Satan's character. Remember what got him kicked out of heaven anyway. It was rebellion against authority. So submission is not about who your husband is or who he's not. I told you, Peter ain't pulling no punches. In other words, he's not saying, see, if you had a good husband, you could submit. Well, because you got that joker. That's not what submission is rooted in. Submission, watch this, it's in the text, is not even rooted if, it's, it's, if, if your husband's a believer. It's in the text. Even their unbelieving husbands, the scripture says, submits them. We're going to talk about what that looks like. As long as he's not asking you to go against your first allegiance to Christ. This is good. See, submission is rooted in God's good and wise authority. Here's what submission says. At the end of the day, God knows best. If, if, if he wrote this for me to do for my life, he is wiser than I am. See, submission is something we do as Christians all the time. For some of us, we just need to submit to this text. Lord, your ways are true. I believe in the inspiration of the word of God, and so I'm going to place myself under the authority of the word of God, and I'm going to submit. So, Rodney, what is the purpose of submission in the text? Great question. Number one, for the unbelieving husband, that he will be saved. That's what the text says. That there's, there's something about the way the woman conducts herself that can lead to, through the power of the Holy Spirit and, 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 and Jesus and everything else, but can lead to this, this man becoming a Christian. And there are scores of stories like that. But look how he says not to do it. He says not to do it through preaching sermons to them, sending them podcasts on their lunch break, scheduling dinners to meet with, 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 with Pastor Seth and, and, and the elders. But he says, through your conduct, in other words, how you live. He says, you're not going to do it through your anger, through your response to hardship with an attitude. You're not going to do it denying him intimacy? <laughs> Through manipulating him with your body? So you're not going to do it that way. You're not going to do it through, through, through talking him into a coma? It's funny he talks about talking. I, I, I have a slide up there about a statistic that shows uh, that, that men talk about um, 7,000 words per day. That's what we got, 7,000. Maybe me, I'm going to preach a little bit more. But, 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 but 7,000 words a day, that's what we got. Women, 
20,000 words for them. 20, 20,000? I got another slide for you. I got another slide. Go to the next slide. Uh, men, we got on, on our control panel, we real simple. We got one button on or off. That's it. That's it. That's all we got. Women, married brothers know what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> married brothers jump in one conversation and we talking about how you needed groceries. And we are still trying to figure out to that day why you had to start talking about my mama. I don't understand. How we got there, he's made us different on purpose. Women, hear me. You are a gift to us because you see stuff we don't see. You think about stuff we would have never thought about. But we're different. But here's what Peter says. Women, hear me, although you are gifted in that and you're wired from that, he's calling you not to use your words to win him. Now, he's talking clearly about salvation. He's talking clearly about this, this, this man moving from unbelief to belief. But I think it also carries weight with the stuff you are praying to God about your husband to change. Not in my notes. I think there's some stuff that wives are praying about your husband to change. And and, and listen, understand, only God can change folk. So you you do best to, yes, communicate that and, and, and make that clear to him. But if your approach is to nag and nag and nag until you get your way, you're not going to be happy with what you get even if he does capitulate. You don't want a yes man at home. Women, believe me, you don't want a man who you're behind the screen controlling every decision he makes. Because there will come a trial in which you can't handle. You're going to need him to stand up and be a man. And if you are, this is the Holy Ghost. None of this is in my notes. You're going to need him to stand up and lead. And he's going to turn around to you and say, how do I lead again? You've been manipulating me the whole time. This is why God gives submission as a gift. Because when you submit women, you are not just, just, okay, fine, 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 You do it. You lead. You're the man. See, when that man has to step out and actually lead, that's how he learns. He may step out and lead and fail. He may step out and lead and fall flat on his face, but here's what you're going to get, ladies. You're going to get a better man when he got up than when he went out. But if you don't let him, if you are so bent on control that you want to manipulate every situation, hear your brother in the Lord say, you're not going to like 
what you get. He's not saying, ladies, to walk around in silence. <laughs> I'm not saying walk around the house like this. I'm done. Baby, what's wrong? Not saying do that. Rodney, how can you prove that in the text? Verse 15 says that we should be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. See, if you're going from pushing your dominance on him, I'm going to help him understand what he needs to do. That's, I'm, help, I'm not controlling Rodney. I'm helping him. And then if you allow him to lead and you conduct yourself in the way of beauty that we'll talk about in a moment, here's what you're going to find. He's going to come to you and say, hey, babe, what, what do you think about that? I, I need your help and insight because I understand I'm not trying, I'm not being controlled. I'm, I'm coming to you, you, you submitted to me. Now you have my ear. And this is where you see couples start walking in unity like it was a dance. Like it was this dance of, of someone leading and moving together and they're in step and they're succinct and they're not confused and bickering and fighting, but they've learned the order that God's called them to walk into. It only comes through submission. You see, when we understand this, and this is verse 2, when they see, talking about women, when the man sees your respectful and pure conduct, men need respect, women need love. Men need your respect. I'm, I'm just advocating for the husbands in the room. They need your respect. They don't want it. I mean, they don't just want it. They need it. They need your respect. And, when, and, and this respect literally means, or this fear here means, it means that women, you, the, the way you do this is through your fear of God. You see, the fear of God frees the Christian wife from overvaluing her husband's approval or disapproval. This is good. So don't just hear this as, submit to my husband. Just go, I don't want him to disapprove of me. No, you are first submitting to God. And through your submission of God, you are submitting to your husband. As you do that, it frees you from thinking your husband is the end-all, be-all. He's not. The end-all, be-all is God. It frees us to conduct herself as a Christian around him. If you are married to an unbelieving spouse, and you ignore him, you disrespect him, and then you just come to church, and you make church your spouse, that witness isn't going to make him say, hmm, I wonder what's going down at that church. I need to be a part of it. It's going to make him despise the church and me. Peter says, he's talking about the home, submit to your husband. Serve them. Love them encourage them. Amen? 
at the end of the sermon, I'm going to call my wife up to help me out with, with, with some of this in a second. I want you to hear this from a woman's perspective here. Before we go there, I want to talk about redirecting beauty. We have a lot of women in our church that have natural hair. Pull up this next side, please. And if you don't know what natural hair is, it's... Perfect twist out. Ten-step guide. Men, follow me. Trim ends if necessary. Part your hair into four sections. Complete your wash day routine. Detangle your hair while in four sections. Grab your favorite styling products and apply to first section. Take medium section. And listen, I'm just, I, I put that up there to show how much our women go through before they come out the house. Some of us miss church sometimes because by the time they come out, it takes a whole lot to get sister girl together. And what Peter is saying, and it's in a sound what he's saying, in the same way you have your makeup stuff and you got your products and you got your, your other products that are your products, but they're not your primary products. So you, you put those in a different section of the bathroom and, and, and men only have this much of the bathroom counter to use because your stuff is just, it takes a whole lot. For a woman to get herself together in terms of her beauty, some more than others, but it takes a lot. I wash my hair in 30 seconds. Takes my wife 30 hours. Love you, sweetie. And here's what Peter is saying. The same kind of, of process, the same kind of diligence. If, if, you've, if you've gone from, from, from a permed hair to natural hair, did I say that right? You know the decision that was and the commitment that took, right? In the same way, some of y'all are lost. In the same way, Peter says, the same way you are spending so much energy, effort, resources, time, talent, gifting, driving, sitting all day in somebody's salon. Have you considered that same type of investment and commitment and diligence and intentionality into the person that no one else ever sees? Peter calls it the hidden man of the heart. Don't get me wrong. God is not anti-beauty. He's not. God is creative. If you think he's anti-beauty, look at his creation. It is breathtaking. He is not anti-creative. He, he, he starts the Bible off speaking about his creativity. In the beginning, God created. So he is creative. But here's what I want us to understand. We can't spend more, more, more intentionality. I'll use that word on our outward appearance, ladies, than on the inner person of the heart. In other words, the same way you got the product bags and the supplies and, and all the stuff to get yourself together, you should have a spiritual product bag that you are using on the inner part of your heart to cultivate spiritual maturity. He says it this way, put on gentleness. 
This means humility. This means, this, this, this means being gracious to one another. And, and we see this modeled in Jesus because when he came to this world, he did not force himself on his creation. He did not bring about his kingdom, but he came humble. He came with gentleness. And then lastly, put on a quiet spirit. Listen, this is not a volume level. This is a spirit of humility and peace, not the loudness of war. Then Peter says, this is costly and precious in the sight of the Lord. It mirrors God's presence and his beauty. And my prayer for GF is that God would make beautiful women inside and out. My prayer is that God would raise up women in our church that are distinct and different at work and at play and at home. And when people see them, they, they see their beauty and praise God for that. They, they, they see how good you look and praise God for that. But there's more to you than how you look. There's spiritual fruit that's budding out of your life that are making people ask questions. That's my prayer for this church. Thirdly, understanding husbands. He says to husbands, and, and if you look, he has six verses talking to wives and in and, and one verse talking to husbands, and some will look at that and think because of the size of it, men are getting away here. But as I just showed you on that clip with that control panel, and men have one switch, to tell a man to live with your wife in an understanding way, wait, 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 what you mean? No, you got to understand, okay, what you mean by understand? That means you got to get into her world. This is not just analytical knowledge, like she left the home at 9 o'clock. No, this is how does she feel when she left your presence this morning? Not just, just, just religious insight, but personal insight that is loving and considerate as it relates to her care. This is brothers asking questions about your wife, to know her, not just know her, but to know her, know her, to be curious about her day, to dive into her world, to ride the roller coaster of her conversation after work. And I don't want to overgeneralize because some women don't talk as much as others. So some come home and they say, well, well honey, how was your day? It was great. Cool. I mean, are you, are you fully satisfied with that answer? I am. It was great. Cool. We can keep on rolling then. If that's how God has wired her, praise God. Because women are different, right? But whatever and however your wife is wired, brothers, live with her in an understanding way. You can't do this when you're banging on your chest and saying, woman, submit to me. No, you have, to, you have to love her, honor her, be patient with her, prefer her. Which means when you're out and you're going out to a restaurant, just let her pick it, man. Just, just let her pick it. Rodney, I would let her pick it, but she gives three answers. I know, I know, I know. 
Just let the three answers sit and just, you sure? That's what you, just wrestle with her through it. Eventually it'll come out. But prefer your wife. This is stuff like giving her a day off when she needs one. Don't just run and run and run and think she got it. She, you know, she, she's fine. <laughs> you always know it's concerned. Hey, bro, how's your wife? She good. You sure? Yeah, she's, she, she's fine. No details. Brothers, live with her in an understanding way. Preferring her means if there's some extra money at the end of the month and you want some, brothers, prefer your wife. Sweetie, we got this extra change at the end of the month. Here you go. Do you, boo-boo. Do you. Lastly, it says to honor her, prefer her as the weaker vessel. Rodney, what is this weaker vessel? Are you trying to say women are weak? Mm. Yes. Give me time. Come on, I've been good to you guys for six years. Let me bear that out. Most women are weaker than men, than their husbands. Amen? Physically. Right? Now, now there are some... <laughs> there are some women that are stronger than their husbands. Praise God. All right? But for the most part, if something jump off, if there's a threat, you know, most women will be like, handle that. This is your part. It's you. Now, hopefully you haven't been controlling him and he do this. So what exactly would you like me to do? When it talks about being weaker as well, it means not weaker in, 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 in solely physical strength, but also in how you delicately handle that. Think about a, a wine glass versus a water tumbler. You got a water tumbler. You can drop it, kick it, whatever. You can do it. But, but something that is precious, something that is valuable, something that is tender, you, you treat that with care because it's precious. When we understand what God is talking about as he talks about submission, here's what you understand. This is a loving father talking to his loving children about how to treat one another in marriage. So husbands, honor your wives in that way. Why? Because they're heirs of salvation and so that your prayers would not be hindered. This is interesting. What this means is that the expectation for the man, he doesn't say that your prayers won't be hindered. He says, so your prayers won't be hindered. In other words, the, the, I'm sorry, the assumption is y'all are praying together. You're praying with your wife for stuff to happen, asking for God's help. And you're dishonoring her and mistreating her. Peter says, God's not hearing those prayers. So maybe the first thing, if you're not praying together, maybe the first thing you need to do is pray together. Then secondly, you need to love your wife in an understanding way so you can be a witness to a dying world about who Jesus is and what he's come to do in our lives. Amen? Can we give God a praise, hand clap of praise?